0: what's the number one way we communicate in the world it's text message good news entrepreneur is now text friendly nine one three six six zero two eight five five tell us your love in the podcast perhaps what topics you want to hear or just say hello maybe you want to say you love the Kansas City Chiefs because we're going to the Super Bowl this week's podcast is all about brand messaging and office culture and how to succeed and how to win in those areas Um, creating strong uh, office culture with employees that get along contribute and are self-motivators is key and brand messaging how do you display yourself online and resonate that same message in office we're talking to John Schreiber who owns myoptic optometry in Portland with his wife and they kill it in that area enjoy the 13-minute podcast there's a little noise in the background of this podcast. That's because I was at the After Party in Portland, Oregon over the weekend of October 19th. And it's really an independent eyewear event that includes technology vendors, education for opticians, and a chance for you to mingle and uh, enjoy time with some of the best people in the industry. So I want you to go to eyewearafterparty.com to see if it will be in your neck of the woods next. You can look at the past events and I'll also put a link in the show notes. So enjoy the podcast, and thanks to The After Party for letting me record. I'm at The After Party here in
1: Portland on October 20th, and I'm here, uh, we're gonna be talking about consumer behavior within the optometry and optical world, and today I'm here to bring you an outside perspective of the industry. So I'm talking with John Schreiber here, his wife is an optometrist and John uh, specializes in consumer behavior. He's worked with a, a lot of major brands such as uh, Nike, Sunglass Hut, and um, I'm sure a few others. A lot of global brands, yeah. 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 So what can you uh, tell us about consumer behavior in the eye care world where we can you know, feel good about our jobs while also making money and helping our patients?
2: Well, I, you know where we, we come from. Uh, everything starts with the customer experience, the customer journey and everything 100% revolves around customer experience and and customer service. We start from there. Uh, everything we do, from the whole path to purchase, from the way we answer the phones, from what they see when they come into the store, to how we treat them, how we greet them and how we follow up, has to do with how we can improve that experience. Our marketing is founded on it. Our, Employee training is based on it and I think a lot of people tend to start with themselves it becomes a little more of a self-promotion game and I think for us we've sort of flipped that script and everything we do literally is about is this adding value to the customer is it entertaining the customer is it a
1: surprise and delight for the customer it's
2: never about us
1: so what I saying, correct me if I'm wrong what I hear you saying is we say, we raise our hand, we say, I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm the best right. at what I do because I went to some fancy school, and you have a fancy office space, but the patient wants to know that it's about them.
2: That's exactly it. You don't. Um, it's kind of like the word leadership. You don't call yourself a leader. You're a leader if people follow. You. Right. You know, you're an influencer if you're influencing people, no matter what you call yourself. And I think that's exactly right. Uh we spend a lot of time thinking marketing is about self-promotion your reputation is the result of good customer service it's not that you're trying to build this reputation and it's this sort of gravity that then attracts people to you you'll get people to you if you treat them well
1: yeah so how do we kind of establish what I would call magnetic marketing you know um, so I know in in your practice you guys have very creative branding Um, you have like a whole apparel line almost we do we do and your patients rep it, like, it's a fashion brand,
2: right? It's it's actually a surprise to us that people literally come in asking to buy our employee clothing. And yeah. so, yeah, now we, we've been fortunate enough that hundreds of people happily wear our T-shirts and stuff yeah, around and town. So,
1: and you actually designed the, the clothing yourself.
2: I did. I got too much time on my hands, yeah.
1: <laughs> you even design your own cleaning cloths. And it's not like a boring cleaning cloth with your practice name and logo on it. How do you differentiate it? And it seems like you have a lot of different designs. It's more than just one. Yeah, well, that's exactly it,
2: right? I mean, we, if, if we were to talk about the dispense, for example, right, um, uh, you know, it doesn't, <laughs> a, a, a lens cloth is something that could be a very disposable thing, right? But to make it a piece of art or an object that's sort of a conversation piece, uh, why wouldn't you go ahead and do that, you know? Uh, just from a marketing standpoint, from a cost of impressions, if I can spend 25 cents extra on a nice lens cloth, but the person's less likely to throw that away or even find humor in sharing it with someone else, uh, that's an amazing return on my investment. There's, you know, does uh, that, that make sense? Yeah. So I go back to what we were doing to enhance the customer experience. Every single. Uh, time a, a consumer touches your brand or sees your logo or interacts with your employee is an opportunity to convey a brand message and so what we try to do is not waste it from when they're sitting in the you know helping themselves to snacks at the reception to whether it's you know interacting with the backup owner or monitors at the uh at the brand bar or maybe even at the dispense before they walk out the door on our bags we're always trying to create opportunities to tell a surprise and delight around value
1: Okay, so um, another interesting thing you mentioned was make. You know, you're making about them. Your employees, you work for them. They don't work for you. That's you right. Work, you work for them, and you have what's called a you have a culture handbook. I know it's secret sauce. Yeah. But what does that encompass? Uh, well, call,
2: yeah. You know what? It goes back to the branding. I, when when I say it starts with the customer, let me back up. It actually starts with our employees. I mean, Elon Musk said it better than I, but he said you treat your employees well and they'll inform uh treat your customers well. Okay. So yeah, we, we have a culture book and, and honestly, I've been very fortunate to work with a lot of brands like Coke and Nike and Apple. So I sort of stole the idea from them. But everybody should have
1: one and it has our tenants, it has our values, it has... Uh, but isn't that a little boilerplate? Like, we believe in serving every yeah. customer to the greatest possible ability... That's a great point. It's not empty platitudes. When if you ever worked at
2: Nike, anybody that knows that culture, these brand tenants literally are things that will unstick you, you know? So they're not empty platitudes that says we value honesty and treasury and yes, blah blah that's blah. Bullshit. No, no. You know that. no, that's exactly right. These are the kind of tenants that if a customer came in, say we did have a customer that came back and they were upset that something wasn't right. Our employees can reach for one of these tenants and it would actually give them uh, help direct them as to how to respond in that way. For an example, we're 100% about community. If someone comes into one of our practices and wants us to donate a, uh, a pair of frames to a silent auction to a local school or something like that, our employees don't have to call me up and ask me if they should do it. They know we're about community, so they'll find a way to get that into the hands of those people. Does that make sense? Yeah. You empower them to That's exactly make it. it make the, ma- the tenants are there to empower people. And they're not specifics of this. They're not scripts on how you talk to people. They're really meant to be. These are our values, and as long as you you uh, you can buy into this culture, you'll have no problem.
1: How do you avoid a, a toxic culture um, within a small business? Because it can be hard in small business. You know, we don't necessarily have a bench, so you can't just fire people and, and bring someone in new. Say that again. How do you um, keep a positive culture within a practice? Because there can be a lot of toxicity within small business. Um, It'd be nice if we, like Coca Cola has a bench. If someone quits, it's not a big deal because there's someone else that can take over that job. So, how do we keep a positive culture when, you know, I would say we're an intense profession. It involves retail, emotions, health, finances. You know it's tough. Well, uh, you
2: know, uh, I think for one, we take a long time to hire someone. You know, the vetting process is pretty long. We want to make you take a while. We do. We do. What
1: What
2: are you looking for? attitude first. We need to know that they're going to buy into our values. You know, uh, that they're going to believe in the same things we believe in. Uh, We're a company that does a lot of giving. Um, We do a lot of charity work. Um, We, you know sharing that culture book early is important. I think once we sort of vet someone and we think that they're gonna fit the culture and they have the right attitude, aptitude can be trained a lot of it. But but attitude, it's what it is. And then after that, you really have to spend time training people. Uh, Too often people bring someone in and they just sort of throw them at it and they expect them to sort of pick it up. We actually have a pretty uh, deep training program as well to help people understand I guess the system does that make sense Sure. and I think a lot of small businesses don't invest in that culture book and they don't they think they're too small to think they need a very formalized and a long training process
1: yeah um, so during this hiring process you, you said it's long you know I'm, I'm just guessing many optometrists they they get a candidate they're happy they even got someone to walk right. in and they just hire them on the spot. Um, so what is the vetting? Are you checking their criminal background? Are you giving them a personality test? I mean, what do you do with the vet?
2: Uh, well, of course we do those things. We actually do do a personality test. Uh, years ago, I wasn't a fan of those. But uh, 25 years of running businesses, I've found them to be pretty valuable. Okay, you know, They're definitely worth the money spent. Uh, And it doesn't mean you shouldn't hire someone, by the way. If someone comes up and and there's some things, maybe some flags, it just knows you know a little bit more about this individual and how they like to be managed, to be sure. Uh, But, um, yeah, we we do all those things. Uh, We we have them spend time with our managers. We have them spend time with our employees. We usually bring people in for a a day or two to work, and then we even put them on a 90-day training program before they are 100% hired.
1: So, no, we do not hire people right off the street like that. Okay. Um, yeah, that's great that you yeah, you take time and don't throw them to the wolves. Because that's but, dangerous. And it's
2: also important for the, to, to look at it from the other perspective. They're hiring us, too. We don't want someone to come in and be unhappy. So it gives them the same opportunity to interview us as well.
1: Yeah. You know, sometimes I've I've, I've interviewed someone really well, and I knew they were great for the job, and I let a week go by without calling them, and they in that meantime they took another job and it's a blessing in disguise yep. because they they were impatient and they were just looking for a paycheck and we don't want someone to just look for a paycheck uh, obviously we all have we all go to work to make money right, right. but you got to be patient in life for good opportunities so. but no
2: absolutely i, I mean I, when you take your time um uh, it's it's it, yeah. You, you shouldn't rush that. You know, it's been said that hiring is the master skill of running any business, and we all know how hard it is to hire great people. Yeah. We're pretty lucky. We're blessed with thirty pretty amazing employees.
1: Yeah. So the last topic I want to talk about, just in a few minutes, is on, on branding. Um, I see a lot of optometry practice practices, and they're called like Vision Associates or um, Vision Vision Care offices and. You know, there's no branding there. So, you know, what is two tips we can use to have better, solid branding online and in the office? Um,
2: online in the office. What
1: I imagine someone does: they Google a Tom Tree practice near me. You have a Google listing, and you know, you have like two seconds to make that impression. Yeah. Well, you know what? I would say if there's two things to start with, is one is consistency.
2: Uh, what I see when I look at uh, competition or, or other practices in our category is it's a very fractured kind of messaging. Uh, if you take a look at Apple for example, everything is very vertical. It's Apple this, Apple that. Their packaging looks like their product, looks like their website, looks like their operating system. And if I were an optometrist, and what I've seen in small businesses is your website should look like your store environment. It should look like and feel like the way people pick up and answer the phone. To you. Yeah. You, people don't want to. Once you, once people step inside that ecosystem, they're looking for consistency. Right. And when they, is the minute you they experience a, a kind of inconsistency or a sort of a break in that, you've really lost that ability to sort of uh, to
1: woo or, or or influence them. Yeah, like. They're getting hyped up to go to their appointment. They've been waiting three weeks for, that's right. and you had a you had a blue website. They come into your office and it's like all green. Right. You're like, well, that's not what I came here for. Yeah.
2: Or if if your if your uh, if your website is very uh, stoic and, and professional and medical in one sense, but someone walks in and it's a little more uh, casual and irreverent and a lot more fraternization, it, it might throw them off a little bit. Or vice versa. If you have this super fun zany website, but someone walks into a very, you know, medical-centric office, it's it's just inconsistent. I mean, so we, we, we strive for consistency. Our social media, our website, our environment, we, we make sure it is absolutely consistent from end to end.
1: Yeah. Well, um, John, I want to thank you for giving us a few uh, pearls of wisdom. It, it's nice to get outside perspective and, and know that we actually can make a difference within our practices if we, if we try. Um, we can talk here for an hour, but unless you actually put one of these ideas in action, you're not going to be successful. So, thanks thank, so much. Thanks so much.